There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, let me just say that I know it was a cold, rainy night in Seattle, and I know it's very loud at that stadium. It's a tough place to win, so you don't throw those back. But watching the New Orleans Saints beat the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith at quarterback, I might add, I'm not impressed by the Saints. I, I, their defense is really good. Alvin Kamara is 90% of their offense. But they scored 13 points. And I know the Bucks won a game on the road in New England when they scored 19, which isn't much better. And it was a similar night. You know, rainy, hard to throw the ball, catch all those things. But this is going to be a really interesting game on Sunday at New Orleans. Of course, the Saints have to fly now back across the country um, after playing a Monday night game on a short week. But I just wonder, I think if the Bucks play their game offensively and put up points, and they've obviously put up more points at home. They haven't scored 30 on the road yet. So that's always a factor, and they, they really struggled in terms of the, the performance on offense. But if they do their job and put up points, I don't, I don't know that the Saints can score with them. I don't, I don't see enough explosive playmakers outside of Camaro. You know, Alvin Kamara is, is, is just a beast. Mm-hmm. But I thought Seattle had a bad plan. Seattle played a lot of zone. Um, they gave some easy throws to Jameis underneath. And, you know, Kamara made him pay. And, and even having said that, they scored 13 points. Well, we all agree that Seattle doesn't have a good defense this year. And you got 13 points. Now, the weather was part of it. But yeah. if, if Seattle's field goal kicker, Myers, makes the two field goals he misses, Seattle's yeah, win. winning that game. Yeah, and maybe if Al Woods doesn't jump off sides on oh, fourth geez. and five on a field goal when the ball's right in front of your Good face, God, yeah, you know maybe they have more time and and can do a different drive trying to get down the field with Geno. Yeah, they're able to throw the run the ball a little bit. They'd have had three minutes and forty something seconds yeah. instead of under two, so that would have changed things a little bit. Was not was not a very aesthetically pleasing game to watch, um, but that is a tough place to play. That is a very loud stadium. You have a long trip getting out there, and and it it is there's some kind of weather system that has just you know dumped a ton of rain on the West Coast, particularly in uh, we saw it in San Francisco for the Sunday night game. Now it's kind of moved up to uh, Seattle as they interview Jameis Winston. As we tape this podcast, fourth straight start with no turnovers this season, or not, fourth start, not fourth not straight, straight, yeah, fourth, yeah. fourth start. So I'm just I'm just trying to get better. Well, he must right. be getting better. I mean, four four starts without a turnover this season, that's probably more than he had all the final season in the Bucks. Look, he's capable of doing it. I, I watched him do it here. When, when he wills himself to protect the football, he can protect the football. Mm-hmm. He's not as dynamic of a playmaker. He might take more sacks. But discretion, the better part of Valor, he has learned at least that much from Drew Brees that, you know, I'm not going to be in this league if I turn it over, so therefore I'm not going to turn it over. And, you know, it sure helps when you have a guy like Kamara that you just check the ball down to in zone. If they'd played man on him, be a little tougher. But those option routes, I mean, you have no chance. I mean, the guy catches the ball five yards downfield and runs 45. 
there's your numbers. You know, you, you pass for over 200. Well, you know, Kamara, the ball probably traveled about five yards, and then, you know, he ran it 35 every time. So, Well, who says that Harvard education isn't worth the cost? It's been worth it so far. I mean, he's got a team that's one game behind the Bucks, Could tie him in the standings with a head-to-head win on Sunday. Look, and there's no way around this. Like the Bucks, who, you know, proudly waved their Super Bowl banner and aren't going to give the rings back. And they beat him in the game that counted last year, the NFC Divisional Championship. Uh, you know, they still haven't won. They've lost five straight regular season games, and the Saints have won the NFC South four years in a row. And I'm here to tell you, you lose the NFC. You, if you don't win this division, if you're the Bucks and you make the playoffs, good luck because you're a wild card team, you're on the road every game, and you're not going into empty stadiums this year. You're going into packed houses, man, um, likely, you know, places like Los Angeles, the Cardinals, Green Bay, and it's going to be a different story. No, no one is taking the wild card route the way the Bucks did a year ago. That was a major, major factor in their ability to do that. So, so you know, it's paramount that they, they win the NFC South. They have to win this division to give themselves at least a chance at home field advantage. And for my money, because, you know, these teams have started seven and zero with the Cardinals, and Dallas has the one loss to the Bucks, and Green Bay has just one loss to the Saints, and so on and so forth. You got all these one loss teams. You know, you may have to win fourteen at least, and possibly fifteen games to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You know, and and so certainly you got to win the division. I mean, but I I just I came away less than impressed. I still think their defense is good. And and that's going to be an issue. They're not as good, but they're good. Um, but offensively, mm, I don't see the outside receivers. You know, Kamara's 80% of their offense. He runs it. He catches it. He runs with it. And, and you know, that's that's the guy you got to stop. And that's why they need Levante David back from the ankle injury. Um, you know, Devin White has to be a guy that can – make tackles in space and get this guy on the ground. And I think they've done a pretty good job against Kamara over the last few years. So if you, you know, he's a game wrecker. And so, you know, all your focus has to be on rallying to that guy and not letting him, you know, take little short passes and turn them into touchdowns. So if you can do that, then you got a chance, you know, you got a really good chance against this, uh, this saints team. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't think they're playing well. Right now, I just I don't disagree. And you you talked about the crowd noise, and we're going to get into Tom Brady on the Peyton and Eli show oh, during yeah. Monday Night Football. But he commented how last year it was an advantage not having fans in the stands on the road while learning a new offense. Oh, huge! And the communication that goes into particularly learning a new. I mean, all offenses benefited. Yeah, but with him trying to learn a new offense and, and chemistry with the teammates, how much of an advantage that was last year for them. Yeah, um, and, and you know through the playoffs too, but even in the regular season, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think you you definitely want to win this division this year. You don't want New New Orleans beating you because if you're the five, six, or seven seed, it's it's going to be a rough sledding to the Super Bowl this year, and, and particularly with how loaded the NFC is. Right. Yeah. If you're in the AFC, I mean, you know, you got two losses. You you know, I think was it Cincinnati. Um, has one of the best records in the AFC. Don't they have two losses? Yeah, they're already? five and two. That's the best team in the AFC. I mean, Baltimore yeah. is also five and two. Uh, Buffalo is what four and two, I think, because they had a bye. 
Uh, right. I, I'm not. There may be another two loss team in the AFC, but that's it. Uh, I think Tennessee is yeah. five and two as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, in the NFC, Dallas, Green Bay, mm-hmm. the Rams, Arizona, the Bucks, and Arizona all have one loss or less. You have yeah. five teams now, that have one loss or less. Now, Green Bay and Arizona play each other on Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. So obviously, somebody's going to take a step down, but. Um, yeah, it's just a much tough, tougher path. And, and I still say, for my money, look, I, I like Arizona a lot. I think they're really good. I think Kyler's really good. Um, their defense is pretty, you know, pretty solid. And they've added Zach Ertz and, and so on and so forth. But I still believe that Green Bay is going to win more games than anybody in the NFC because just nobody's going to beat them. I just, I mean, now, obviously, Arizona has their chance on Thursday night, short week, all that. But in that division, it's not going to be the Bears. It's not going to be the Lions. And I don't think the Vikings are going to take them down. So you're talking about six wins right there. Now they're going to win the division easy. But they do have a their their schedule. They play, what, the NFC West? Uh, I'm yeah. trying to remember who they play in the AFC. It's it's one of the tougher divisions in the AFC as well. Well, uh, So, you know, and they've got a first-place schedule. That's why they played New Orleans. Right. Uh, because they you know both finished first last year in their division. So their yeah. their their division schedule's weak. Their not their other schedule is is harder than the Bucks schedule. When you look at what playing the AFC East and which division are they playing? No, they're playing the NFC the NFC East as well, right? Yeah, Philadelphia and all those bad teams. Yeah. Yeah, so they got the two East. Yeah, so I mean the Bucks in that regard have an easier schedule. Yeah. No, look, other than, okay, so the two New Orleans games, which you absolutely have to put on a list of tough games for the Bucs. Then you got at Indianapolis in late November. It's actually Thanksgiving weekend. And then you've got Buffalo at home. Those are your games. Those are the games that, and they may be favored in all of them, but those are the games against teams that will have winning records that could be playoff teams um, outside of your division in you know, so the Saints twice, which is in your division. Uh, Carolina, I know they started out 3-0. You know, they've lost a bunch in a row. Looks like they're not. Sam Darnold has kind of hit the skids. Well, if they get Deshaun uh, Watson, that could change some things. But well, I don't could. know if they have enough, a good enough team this year to do that. Potentially. I mean, yeah, I still think they're a couple years away with Matt Rule. But, you know, assuming you take down, you know, you, you don't lose to Carolina. Um, you've beaten Atlanta once. you got to play them again. You know, so it, it it comes down to the New Orleans games, which is two of them, um, and then you know Indianapolis on the road in, in in Thanksgiving weekend, and then you know home against Buffalo, which some people will say at that point is is a Super Bowl preview, but you do have them at home, and they've been such a much better team at home. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a long way to go. We'll see how many guys that get back healthy. We talked to Bruce Arians, um, you know, on Monday, he sounded kind of hopeful for Gronkowski, although. I haven't seen him do anything out there. Last week he tried to run, looked like he was gassed, probably hurt when he breathed hard. You know, hopeful for Levante David, which I think has a chance, and this would be a great game to play him because of Alvin Kamara. You need that speed and another inside linebacker to kind of, you know, run him down in, in coverage. Um, A.B., I, th- I think A.B. will be back. I mean, he, he finished the game in Philadelphia where he sprained his, his ankle, but, you know, again, I think they felt – they could probably take care of the Bears without, you know, risking further injury to him. And so he should be good, you know, for Sunday. But, you know, that's about it. I mean, 
you know. Well, the good thing on Gronk is since he doesn't have to watch film and all that, so you know, (laughs) yeah, right, should be easy for him to come back, right? Well, it was funny. I mean, uh, you know, this uh, Manning Night Football. I don't know if you've uh, caught this show, folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't, you need to watch it. It's the uh, alternate uh, Monday Night Football broadcast with Peyton and Eli. It's called Peyton and Eli. And uh, among their guests, you know, they had they had Beast Mode on to start Marshawn Lynch. Who uh, dropped dropped some bad words, and so you know they they let him go, uh, and then they had Brady, and I'm telling you, first of all, it's just it's 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 incredible to me how from these rivals, these guys were you know just fierce rivals, of course, with the Colts and the Patriots, but how they have become really close friends. I mean, there's still a rivalry there. To make no mistake, like Peyton would like to have all his you know. Super Bowl rings and and to, for that matter, Tom really hates Eli. I was going to say he'd like to have all of Eli's Super Bowl <laughs> rings because yeah, he took two of them from him, um, literally. So you know, there's that. But um, they they really do have a, a kind of unique relationship. And I think Brady was funny. He went on there. He was ready to dish all the dirt on on Manning. So because he, he knew he was going to catch some, and he said, um, "I start talking about all the coaches." that were Peyton's coaches that now he works for, you know, Bruce Arians, Tom Moore, Clyde Christensen among them. Um, and he warned him, he says, you know, I got the goods on you because I, I got more Peyton Manning stories at this point and I could write a book, you know, he said, you know, Clyde asked me, Tom, how can you destroy 15 years of relationships by telling Peyton some of these things? Um, but he says, you're always the topic of our conversation in the, in the meeting room. And then they, then, you know, Man- Manning just completely destroyed Christensen he put a picture, and you know, Clyde. Clyde has actually lost weight, but he, there was one point where he was kind of portly. So they put this picture, and I think it superimposed the TB12 gear on. Yeah, on his T-shirt and his uh, his visor, and Manning goes, "Hey, speaking of Clyde Christensen, longtime coach of the Colts, uh, true or false? Clyde's body is good for TB12 advertising method. <laughs> true or false?" And um, you know, he goes, "He's allowed to wear your T-shirts and hats." Manning said, "Are you trying to short the TB12 stock here?" And he goes, "Brady goes, I need to get Clyde some some non-packaged food." He goes, "You know, too much of what he eats comes in a wrapper, and you got to tear it apart." I said, "Clyde, just because popcorn, it's popcorn, it doesn't mean it doesn't have calories. You, you can't eat eight popcorns in one sitting. You can't do that." Um, but they were funny. They went back and forth. They talked some football too. They talked about you know while they're watching the game, they talked about the two minute uh, drives and. Um, and you mentioned Gronk. Of course, Gronk was on there, uh, I think, in the first show, and he playfully told them that he'd never watched film. He just asked Tom what he's supposed to do. And, of course, the the, the opposite is true. Gronk, Gronk watches a lot of film, and he's a very smart, intelligent, incredibly intelligent football player. Um, but Brady played it off that. He goes, you know, he kind of – they asked him about Gronk, and he said, well, you know, his mind doesn't need to get bogged down with film study. I just say, hey, you know – Go get you know open. Do get open, catch the ball, and run with it. It's not that hard. Um, but there were there were good barbs going back and forth. I thought it was interesting. It wasn't it wasn't anything great, but it was it was pretty good. I liked how um, Manning asked him if the uh, six hundred touchdown ball was already an NFT. Yeah, that's right. He's going to get the guy Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's he's he's on that man. He's really on all of that. So. Um. They kept making jokes, you know, like, hey, we promise we'll let you go after this. You can go to bed. Put your pajamas on now if you want, Tom. Um, stuff like that. But it was good. It was interesting. I, I love watching. Me personally, like, there's nothing wrong with 
you know, what is it, who is it? Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. Is mm-hmm. that who's on? There's nothing wrong with those guys. They do a great job, I think. I think it's a pretty good team. But I would listen to to the Mannings and, and sit there and watch the game the way they watch it and just listen. It's it's great. I think it's great television. Um, and the ratings show that when they're on. They're not on every week. They hadn't been on for, for a number of weeks, I guess. I think they were off like three or four weeks. I think they're yeah. on for a while now. Yeah. And they're going to do it for the playoff. ESPN's got the Monday night playoff. they got the game. Monday night playoff, which is going to absolutely kill some team, don't you think? To have to play a, a night game? What if you have to come back and, and play like Saturday well, I, assume, I assume you're going to go back and play Sunday the next week. I, 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 guess, would assume, but, I would assume they're not going to go Monday to Saturday. But it's still an uneven field, right? Because you're still, you're still going to have a shorter week. My guess is it's going to be a 4-5 matchup. The lesser ones, yeah. Lesser you know, seeds. It's going to be, you know, hey, you know, you got the fourth seed or the fifth seed. Yeah. Should have played better. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, now, if you do that. Put the, I don't think you're going to put the two seed there. I, I would hope not because it's a it's going to be a factor, you know, Yeah. whoever has to do that. But, yeah, so um, it's a big week. I mean, Saints week. And then they get a bye, you know, and they need it. And, they, and, and I don't know who they're going to get after the bye, like, right away. But, you know, these guys, you know, they got a pretty long haul going forward. If you, if you consider that. You know, so they'll, they'll have the bye after week eight, uh, which is right sort of almost in the middle of mm-hmm. the regular season. But then if you go in the playoffs and you play 21 weeks, I mean, it's it's, a, it's like it's a long haul. Well, we talked know? about it when the schedule came out. And, you know, while it sounds ideal to have that bye, that part of the, the schedule, because you just had a mini bye last weekend, I, you know, you would almost prefer the buy a couple weeks later. Yeah, a couple, Although, couple down the road. as dinged up as they are, maybe it is a good time. And you can't control right. it. But, right. you know, once you get past the buy, now you're every week, either Sunday or Monday. You don't – there's no more – you have no more Thursday games built in. No. No more buys. I mean, it's it's purely now you're playing. And, and you know, if you don't get the number one seed, assuming you make the playoffs – you know you're going to go straight from week seven or eighteen, your seventeenth game, straight into the playoffs too. So, yeah, it's going to be a long haul after the bye for the Bucks. It is, and with a, with an older team that sorry got some guys nicked up, and I mean Jason Pierre-Paul didn't practice, and he's got the torn reveal. He has a torn rotator cuff, which is incredible to me that he's out there with one arm and one hand because he's clubbed up his hand because he has some fractured a fractured finger on that left uh, or right hand, which is the one that was involved in the accident. So. Yeah, I mean, somehow you got to keep these guys healthy. You're going to maintain these guys throughout the season, and, and it's, a, it's such a long season. I mean, we're barely a third of the way through it. It's just incredible uh, to me that uh, that it's that long. But, you know, um, they're off to the best start in franchise history, and they got a chance to go to New Orleans. It's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a really great atmosphere, Halloween night in in the big easy which is creepy enough even when it's not halloween so you can just imagine what it'll be like inside that uh superdome so looking forward to that meanwhile um what the hell has happened to the tampa bay lightning man they they can't score and they can't score first <laughs> so they lose to buffalo five to one a couple empty empty netters their backup goaltender was in net yeah, um, the first goal he gave up about a minute 40 and was not good um he misplayed it, and, and so they give up the lead. But the Lightning did score a goal in the first period with about a minute and a half to go in the period. The Alex Kalorn, uh knocks in a, after a shot from McDonough, and they actually scored, went to the end of the first period, tied 
it was 1-1 late in the second period. Uh, Lightning have the, the puck in the offensive zone. Buffalo's pressuring the points. Sergachev, instead of dumping the puck down to the net, which he needed to do, yeah. he tried a cross-ice pass to Chernak right down the blue line. Mm. It's stolen, goes the other way. And instead of being 1-1 at the end of two, it's 2-1, to one, and you're trailing going into the third period for the sixth time this year. Yeah, ch- chasing and chasing those goals, and mm-hmm. it just never seems to work out. Yeah. Then invariably you empty the net, and they give a couple of empty netters there, and they lose 5-1. I thought what, what John Cooper said before the game – uh, I thought it was interesting. I was reading it uh, mm-hmm. online. I think uh, I think Eduardo Encina may have written this. I'm not sure, but he was talking about how well you know you're not gonna you know you may not win you know a Stanley Cup or uh, or division or whatever you know the first couple of weeks. He said, but you could certainly put yourself in a hell of a hole. You know, um, they've got five points in six games. You know, which isn't fatal by any means, but. Um, well, the, the, you don't want you don't want too many more teams on top of you. I guess that that that's you don't want to start out that way and have to chase it all year. No, but the fact that they have not led at any point in a game this year and have five points is impressive. I mean, it's hard to do that. Two overtime wins and then an overtime loss, but they have not led for a single second of play this year. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. They have not led going into the third period and not even been tied. They've been trailing going into the third period of every game this year. They've given up the first goal every game this year. Now, like I said, on on Monday night, they finally scored in the first period. That was the first time this year. They're just – the offense is – they've missed some some open nets. They've missed some shots, passing a little too much. Um, It's just – offensively, it's just not in in sync very well. Um, You know, I – you always look at hockey in 10-game increments is how most people look at it. Yeah. And there's a saying that it takes 96 points to get to the playoffs. You can make it with less, but generally if you get 96, you're going to make it, with rare exceptions. So you play 82 games. If every 10 games you can get 12 points, that gets you to 96 points with two games to spare. So you want to get 12 points in your first 10 games. Well, they have five in their first six. In order to get to that 12 and 10, now, you know, it's an average over the season, of course, but they would need to get seven points in their next four games. It's doable. It's doable, but the way they're playing right now, I mean, they're going to Pittsburgh, who cleaned your clock in the, in the opener. Now, they're without Crosby. They're without Malkin, probably without Latang, who's in the COVID protocol. Now, he tested positive. So you would think, and you've got Vasilevsky going in the second half, the back-to-back. So you would think you got a shot. You, you would think you, decent shot to at least come up away with a point in Pittsburgh. Then you get home against Arizona and Washington. Now you beat Washington in Washington. And then you're going to go to Toronto, who's struggling. So actually, your next four games, you do have a shot to get seven points in there. Yeah. And that would be a nice way to turn it around. But as John Cooper said, is you, you don't win the Stanley Cup in October. But, man, you don't want to bury yourself behind because yeah. – you know, there can be three point games every night. It's yep. not like baseball where a team ahead of you either wins or loses. Oh, you're right. They can lose in overtime and, and salvage a point, even though another team ahead of you won. And then both teams are getting points ahead of you. So, because of the the you know the overtime rules and, and the way they do points instead of just you know win and loss, right? You know, it can be tough to start to climb over teams. Now, you know, Cooper also said in his comments, "Look, 
you know, if, you know, and this was before the games. But he's, you know, you go two, two, and one, and you don't have a lead. And you get five points in five games without having a lead in those five games at all. And it was in the middle of the season. You wouldn't sweat it. You know, these things happen. You know, a five game stretch where you didn't play very well, but you salvage five points out of it. That's if it was in the middle of the season, you'd be praising them. Yeah, but because at the beginning now. of the season it looks really bad. So yeah, but it means. If you're going to have a stretch like this early, you've got to have better stretches later. Yeah, you do. And and we're not used to. I mean, look, the Lightning generally, generally play well early in the season. If you look back in their history, and particularly at home, where now they're o two and one at home. Well, what's weird is they're not scoring. They're not mm-hmm. scoring goals, mm-hmm. and that's the name of the game. And it's always been the name of the game with this franchise. I and mean, you know, Kucherov brings so much to that equation. But but you look can't. at look at all you're missing. I mean, you're missing Gord, and Goodrow, and Coleman, and Kucherov, offensively. And granted, Gord, Coleman, and Goodrow weren't you know your top scoring lines and stuff. But you've replaced them with Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, Alex Barry Boulay played tonight because Pat Maroon. Congratulations, he and his wife uh, had a baby on a Sunday night, so Pat was not oh, in cool. Buffalo on Monday. That's why Alex Barry Boulay came in the game. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm a, I'm going to guess Pat's not going to be in Pittsburgh tonight for the game. I'm guessing he's staying in Tampa and will you know, be back Thursday night's game, but that's just a guess on my part at this point. So uh, I would expect Alex Barry Boulay to be in again tonight. But, you know, and, and Radish and, and Kachuk may be fine players, and, and they may develop into that. They're rookies, and they're growing, and they're, you know, they're playing well, but – you know, it's it's you know it's going to take this team some time to figure it out. Um, you just hope that they can tread water long enough till they figure it out, because there's enough talent yeah. on this team to do it. And we don't yeah. know how long Cooch is going to be out. Is it two months? Is it three months? Is it you know? We don't know. The only indication we've gotten to this point is not 56 games from John Cooper. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, somewhere between zero and 56 yeah. is your answer. Well, he's already missed what. Uh, he got hurt on what was it, game two or game one? Which one did he get? Pretty hurt? early on, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So he's missed three or four already, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're down to like fifty two or fifty three games. You know, no more than that from now. Wow. That's pretty crazy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So um, let's touch on the Rays because you were telling me before the podcast that the, the nominations for the Silver Slugger Awards are out. Now, that's the, the best hitter at each position uh, mm-hmm. if you get a Silver Slugger Award. And I would imagine there'd be some Rays on that list, right? There is. Uh, let's see. I want to get this right. But uh, Mike Zanino is a finalist among the catchers. Yeah. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, my guess is Salvador Perez probably wins that award. Um, he led baseball in home runs, I believe. That's fair. Um, although some of those were as a DH where, you know, Mike Zanino had the most home runs as a catcher this year. Uh, Nelson Cruz de- for the designated hitter category. Uh, he was nominated. Uh, he's a finalist with Shohei Otane, Jordan Alvarez from the Astros, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo 
two Yankees players on there. Um, and then uh, Randy Rosarina as a finalist, as an outfielder. Uh, with Cedric Mullins, Teoscar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, Kyle Tucker, Mitch Hanniger. Kyle Tucker, of course, local kid. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Hunter Renfro, former Ray. But one noticeable absence, and it's noticeable because of who one of the finalists was. Brendan Lau, not a Silver Slugger finalist. As a second baseman, 39 home runs, which is top 10 all time as a second baseman. Right, that's a lot of homers, man. I mean, I'm assuming Marcus Simeon will win this award. He set the all-time record for home runs as a second baseman with 45 this year. 45 home runs, 102 ribbies, 265 average, and 873 OPS. Brendan Lau's numbers, very comparable. 39 homers, 99 ribbies, just three shy. A 247 average and an 863 OPS. So he's 10 points behind him in OPS. Wow. I mean, those numbers are comparable. Brendan Lau's not a finalist. The others are Jose Altuve, 31 homers, 83 ribbies, 278 average, 839 OPS. Good numbers. It's a hell of a year. Not as good as Brendan Lau. The only numbers he's better is average. Uh, Jorge Polanco from the uh, Twins, 33 homers, 98 ribbies, 269 average, 826 OPS. Very good numbers, better than Altuve's. And an OPS, the only number he had better than than Lau was an average. But here's the finalist that I don't get. And I'll give you the numbers first, and then you can kind of guess the team or whatever. 10 home runs, 57 ribbies, a 268 average, and a 711 OPS. That's not a good OPS. That's terrible, yeah. How does that guy fit in with those credentials? It just And, and, and Brendan Lau's left out. And that's yeah, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees. So go figure a, why he's a He finalist. had a horrible year this year. I mean, they dropped him to seventh or eighth in the lineup. That's based on reputation. Totally. And these are voted by managers and coaches from the teams. And you can't vote for your own player. So, like, the Yankees coaches couldn't vote for their player. Well, what are these guys watching? I mean, well, maybe they're not. The PR people hand you, you know, when it, we get the votes, they, generally I've, I've seen these like for players of the month and because and the, the, the broadcasters will vote on those. And they give you a sheet and it's got all the numbers of the best players. I mean, just look at the numbers and you can already say, which one does not fit here? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my kindergartner can do this exercise in school, you know. Which of these pictures does not fit in this? <laughs> yeah. So Brendan Lau hosed. Wow, that's disappointing. Just to continue with his disappointing off. I'm not sure if it was voted on after the playoffs or before the playoffs. Maybe they saw his playoff performance and voted him out. I don't know. Yeah, right. (laughs) That was horrible. Two years in a row. Tell me he won't feel that way when he gets there in the third year. Um, He's going to need some counseling or something, man. That's crazy. Hey, we had had a couple mailbag questions. We're not going to get to all of them. Oh, but one other thing. We missed an anniversary on Monday. What was that? Game four, World Series. Oh, okay. Brendan Phillips at the plate, or uh, Brett Phillips at the Brett, plate. Yeah. Randy Rosarina rounding third trips. The yeah, Dodgers throw the ball all over the infield. It was stupid. I, 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 I'm trying to think. I was on the road. I know I was on the road covering a game, flipped it on, and one of those where people next door must think you're nuts because you just sit up and you scream. You know, especially when a Rosarina hits the dirt, right? And he's clearly going to be out by like five feet. And then the ball gets away from the catcher and he gets up and dives. 
it was it was great theater. And then, of course, you had Brett Phillips with the airplane out in the outfield, and um, that was a remarkable game. And he's going to really be was. MLB's correspondent for yeah, the World is. Series. <laughs> yeah, he is. So the uh, he said two way player is what he described himself in the video that they announced it because you know he did pitch <laughs> a couple times this year. So yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's set, man. I mean, it's just all a matter of you know how soon the network tries to lock him up because he's such a personality. And uh, you know, again, I'm sure he wants to pursue playing, but I thought they missed him in the postseason. You know, he was a healthy scratch. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think they missed him, although, you know, presumably as a hitter, Jordan Luplo took his spot who had a grand slam in game two. You know, as a right-handed hitter, you needed the right-handed bats. But Aside from that. But yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, really it was probably one of the pitchers that they kept to, to keep Phillips off the roster. But Yeah, he just brought a certain sort of energy. But well, He's in the dugout, though. It's not like he wasn't there. Right, they do allow those players to be there. No, I know. Play, so, but you don't. You know, you can't impact the games. But anyway, um, so did so we we, we were going to do. I mean, we we have enough mailback questions. We can continue this tomorrow. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, if so if you like. if you got some more questions, feel free to send them in. Uh, we'll we'll hold a lot of these over to tomorrow since we talked so long about Jameis and Tom Brady and the Lightning. Yeah, and you can do that. I mean, you can send them to us anytime. I, I've got a couple of my email. You can send it to us by Twitter, at SportsDayTV. I mean, you reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So what do we got on this uh, beautiful Tuesday morning? All right, we'll start with Greg, who had uh, tweeted us. So Tom Brady threw his 600th TD on Sunday. Do you think he reaches 700 before he retires? And what is one piece of sports memorabilia that you own that you would never part ways with. Wow, what a great question. Um, what was the first part? Do I think Tom Brady's going to throw 700? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. He's got 21 this year, and he's got it in seven games. So if my math is correct, that's about three a game. And there's 10 games left. So it's you're really talking two about seasons. 48, 48 or 50 uh, this year, yeah, I think you probably will. I mean, it would basically be 21, 22, into the 23 season that he would hit it because you're already part of the way through this season. So, Right, but if he, if he maintains this, this, this pace, you know, yeah. three touchdowns pace. Um, so is he going to play two more seasons after this is the question. I don't know that. You know, he was asked about that on the pod. His podcast, he had all these, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, renowned broadcasters call in and they each got to ask him one question so naturally yeah it started with the swami and i, I, I yeah i mean you're 36 you told us you wanted to play to your 45 so now he's 40 now he's 44 and uh he asked him how will you know and he was kind of like well you know he's not putting a date on it or anything is i know physically i could do it for a long time he goes but it's gonna be more of an emotional you know, sort of mental decision. In other words, my family's going to tell me I'm done, to be honest with you. And I think that, you know, that'll probably be not until after next year at the earliest. We'll see what happens. You know, everything changes, right? You win a Super Bowl. Um, now you go, well, should I go for a three-peat? Or you lose mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl and you go, wow, we're so close. I think we can win another one. You well, know, you know, done. is he at eight or nine? And then is he going for ten? Does that matter? Or you know, 
He wins one or two more. He may say, you know what, it's out of reach. No one's ever going to touch me, so I'm okay. Oh, I think it's a, yeah. He may think that already, but yeah. To your point, yeah. If you got to nine, you say, oh, man, ten would be really cool. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because I don't, obviously don't walk in his shoes, but these kids are getting older. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw, um, you know, Vivian, his his uh, young daughter, was um, sort of watching him on the podium the other day and had the had the football they were throwing around and. In the locker room and stuff. So, uh, I've seen his his oldest son, who lives in New York, is um, damn near as tall as he is. He's gonna he's gonna. He's, I mean, this kid's gonna be tall. Um, says he loves basketball, but we'll see. Hope you know if he's a quarterback, heaven help him. But um, yeah. So, and what's the one piece of memorabilia that you own? You would never part with. Oh, uh, the piece of memorabilia I own that I would never part with. I mean, I've gotten some stuff. I'll I'll tell you one, the, the most recent one. I got a couple things. I'm kind of like there's there's a there's a really cool picture of, uh, and this is not in any particular order. I'll give you the second one last, but um, there's a picture of Joe Madden after they won the Cubs won the World Series, and they're in Grant Park, you know that giant park in downtown Chicago, and there are millions. Uh, it looks to be a million people. Uh, I don't know what the actual crowd was, but it looked to be a billion people, and it's from the back. Like you're you're looking out where the players sit, and Madden's at the podium, so all you see is his back, and he's got the Madden jersey on, and then you see this this you know sea of of Cubs fans. Uh, any any autograph that was cool. My I would say um, for me it's kind of personal, but um, at the end of his life, I got to know Dwight Clark very well, and. Dwight was one of these guys, and, and, and you know, he, if you met him once, you, you really did feel like you've known him a long time. He just had that that sort of, you know, southern, charming um, personality about him, and he was larger than life. And if you grew up, or in my case, covered football, you know, I didn't cover him in the 80s. I, you know, was doing college football in the late 80s, but I remember all those teams. I covered all those 49er teams, and he was... He was starting to move on uh, as a player uh, when I when I started doing a lot of Super Bowls and things. But uh, you know, everybody knows the catch. Um, my sister lived in San Francisco for ten years. About that time, you know, they were the Beatles. I mean, you know, Montana Clark. I mean, those guys ran that town. You know, and it was you know it was cool getting to know him. But then, of course, he died of ALS, and you know, he thought that football might have contributed to that. Um, we would see him once a year, or I would see him once a year. Uh, my wife would see him more, but I see him once a year in Montana around the 4th of July. And I, I always remember when he told us he, he thought he had ALS because there's no test for ALS. You have to eliminate a bunch of things. And um, so he, he, you know, after his di- diagnosis, he lasted about two years. And in any, re- in any event, um, Dwight would, you know, he would always talk about the catch. You know, he's always asked about it and, you know, he was always funny about it. He says, well, you know, it was such a perfect throw. You know, Joe held the ball, and, and you know, he put it in the one place I could get it. And Montana will always tell him, well, then why don't we call it the throw? You know, um, if it was that great. like, um, But there was a name of the play, you know, something, something, slot right, blah, 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 whatever. And so what Dwight would do very often um, – he would sketch out, hand draw the play of the catch, and uh, 
you know, put his number down and and show where he went and 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 you know, put the name of the play on there. Um and so you know, we have a um kind of a personalized uh sheet of that play uh with with the photograph of the catch and then the the play next to it that him and Montana both autographed. Um and it's just something that I look on my wall in my, you know, my bonus room and you know, think about first of all how sad it is he isn't here, but but you know, it's kind of cool having, you know, having a handwritten, you know, catch and autograph by both those guys. Um you know, if you if you lived if you grew up and and, and watched the NFL back then, it was really kind of a Camelot era out in the West Coast, especially with the Niners dynasty and stuff. So that's one of the things I wouldn't part with. I, I really that's personal to me. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, love that stuff. So uh, we'll end with this one just for today. Like I said, get your questions in for tomorrow. We've got some. We'll carry over. But uh, Chris had asked, "Do you think Chris Godwin regrets giving up his number twelve jersey?" No. No, and I'll tell you why. Um, he was always CG12 his whole life, and, you know, one of the ultimate signs of respect was um, on both sides. You know, uh, Brady recognized that he wore 12. Of course, I mean, all of Brady's a brand, right? He's TB12 brand. It's like, you know, it's like Jordan. Um, so TB12 was it was his deal, you know, for all those years. And, of course, in New England, he always wore 12 and all that. He wore 10 at Michigan. Um, but when he came here, he actually had a conversation. He told Jason Leith in BA because, you know, they talked about the number 12. And he, they were like, well, it's actually, you know, it's a wide receiver, Chris Godwin. And and Tom was like, you know what? That's fine. I'll wear I'll wear seven. And they were like, seven? <laughs> well, you know, he's going for that seventh ring, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and he was serious. He was he was going to do it. And then Godwin said, "No, nah, I can't. I you know, you can't let the goat not get his number, man." Um, and look, from what I understand, in the beginning, there were no like tangible promises. I'm sure, I'm sure, because Brady's very generous that he took care of him at some point. But what he did tell him is, you know, um, or Godwin said to him, "Hey, how about you put a ring on my finger, Super Bowl ring, and we'll call it even." And and so that's exactly what Brady did. Done. You know, Brady, yeah. Oh, that's, you just need a Super Bowl? Oh, sure. Pfft, nothing. I go to those all the time. We'll win that. And he did. And, you know, so now it's been CG14 for a while. And I think he's used to it. And I can't imagine Brady not wearing 12. So, you know, it's kind of cool that he's, you know, he's obviously he's TB12. But, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he does regret, it. and the reason is they. You know what? Scoreboard. We won a Super Bowl, and I'm and Godwin's still a hell of a player. I'll take the um, ring over the number any day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even though it was, even though Chris had been CG twelve, and that's I think it's still his Twitter handle. Um, you know, for the sake of the goat, there's things you'll do for the goat that you wouldn't do for anybody. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he regrets it. All right, so we'll have more of your mailbag questions tomorrow. Of course, um, the Bucks uh, have the day off today, and they'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have a chance to talk to Bruce Arians as they begin to prepare for their game on Sunday at New Orleans, Halloween night. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere up there in the Big Easy. Um, then, you know, Matt Baker is going to join us on Thursday to talk college football. It's the world's largest cocktail party this week, Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville. It's going to be a great one. And we'll see if the Gators can pull the upset and 
get a little back on track, or will they end up being a 4-4 four four football team? So that's going to be something to watch as well. Lightning play in Pittsburgh tonight, and then the World Series yeah. starts tonight. Yeah, that's right. Atlanta Who you got? against Houston. Uh, I mean, I think Houston's the better team, mm-hmm. but I think I think Atlanta's pitching, um, and particularly their bullpen, uh, I like, you know, CFM or whatever. He's on um, the mound for game one tonight. Charlie freaking Morton, so I'm going to kind of be pulling for him. And I still and Travis think Darno's the biggest, there. Yeah, you got some X-rays. I, I, you know, I, I like the Braves as a story. A lot of people won't like them. They would have preferred to have the Dodgers and do the whole, you know, cheating thing again, um, revenge and all that. But what what the Braves have done is remarkable, and they kind of rebuilt themselves at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, with Charlie Morton on the mound, I think. I mean, that's that's where my loyalties would lie, if I had any, and. Um, and I do. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to kind of be leaning into the Braves a little bit, see if they can pull it off. But three World Series in five years for Houston. Those guys are good players now. I don't care whether they cheated or not. Well, still... you know, when you got buzzers on you and yeah, trash know, but... cans. and I guess. I guess. And yet here they are again. You know, no one could no one could keep them out of the World Series this year. So, yeah. I mean, you know, Lance McCullers is on that team. There's some mm-hmm. interesting players on that on that ball club, which – should make for a good series. Maybe not not the one that the nation wanted, or or maybe the networks wanted. But yeah, so that starts tonight. So lots to watch on TV, and uh, of course later in the week at uh, Packers Cardinals on Thursday night football. So it's going to be a fun week. Good week, good week of sports. Good college football. Yeah, USF on Thursday that. night as well at ECU, trying to make it. That's right, two in a row for uh, Coach Scott. Go up to East Carolina, Greenville, lovely Greenville, North Carolina. Been there, covered a game there. So I have too. That'll be a good trip for him. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It it's a beautiful really country, is. though. But about well, an hour and a half from Raleigh. Yeah, and just a, like I'm down this little two-lane road with tons of trees on either side. It's like giant, you know, pines and stuff. And it's like, it's really kind of cool, but I have no clue where I'm at. <laughs> and then there it is. And, uh, yeah, so I've done a game up there. And, you know, short week, and they'll have to find a way to, you know, to keep the momentum and, See if they can take it on the road with the noise and all that. But uh, you know, it's a winnable game, and hopefully you can start stacking some of these. I mean, look how much better we feel about Florida State because they won three in a row, even though they beat up on UMass. So um, something to be said for that. So, yeah, busy weekend in sports, and we'll cover it all right here. Matt Baker will join us, I'm sure, later in the week to talk college football. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for uh, listening to us. We're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate it very much. Um, we get – you know, comments from people all over the world. and um, Oh, yeah, we wanted to uh, thank, too. Let me mm-hmm. pull the uh, – got a direct message from Lieutenant Colonel Chris over in Germany who listens. Yeah. He and his son uh, listen to the podcast to stay in touch at home. He's been uh, serving overseas for the last decade or so. So It's amazing. And there's so many people over oh, in, in, I don't know, 18, 20 countries we've, mm-hmm. we've gotten um, correspondence from. And, and, you know, some from the Tampa Bay area. Some people just – just fans in another country of, of some of the sports teams here. So um, wherever you are, man, we appreciate you guys listening. And um, it's really cool because that's what the podcast is for. It's to, to keep people informed about Tampa Bay sports, no matter where you live around the world. And and people are taking advantage of that, and it's really, really cool. So uh, thanks for listening again. For Steve Burstyn, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 